That was Lady Lou and the Bird Dogs playing us in. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And we are the Grizz Fan Podcast. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for listening. Um, be sure to check out the other Montana Minute Sports Podcast hosted by Hot Take Nate and Bear Tycoon. They discuss the Big Sky Conference and maybe a little more Bobcat focused. So if that interests you, you can find them in the feed probably right above or below this podcast. But let's jump into the Grizz Fan Podcast. That's why you're all here. Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, last week it felt good to talk about it. This, yeah, this doesn't feel good. <laughs> you know what would be better, Mike, is if we talked about the 49ers-Packers game going on right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Luke and Mike are Niners fans. Oh, my God. I'm a Packers fan, and uh, the game is happening as we're recording. And it's not looking good for the Packers right now. Just got kicked in your left nut with the Grizz game, <laughs> and now you're getting kicked in your right nut with the Packers. So it seems to follow a trend where usually the weekends the Grizz lose, the Packers always lose as well too. And so it looked like it might be another uh, full-on I hate football type of weekend. Yeah, I got nothing. So the Grizz, I, I don't know how to do this. It's just like rip, ripping off a Band-Aid. I, I think we just need to jump into it. The Grizz go to North Dakota – and well, they didn't win. They got their ass kicked. They got their asses kicked. Yes. Yeah. Let's rip this bandaid off. Yeah. 41-14. They don't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. I don't want to jump too far ahead of things. <laughs> but that's the only thing I want to talk about. That's about the only thing I want to talk about too. But we'll go through it because what we do is we go through it. So in unbelievable fashion, the Grizz managed to turn the ball over on their first drive again. A sneed overthrow uh, was intercepted, and they North Dakota got the ball in great field position. Well, they're in the house, and they're in the house. Yeah. I mean, one offensive play, one touchdown. Yep, Nate Ketteringham, the Sac State transfer, who's been there for now for a couple of years. Uh, one play, touchdown, boom! I hadn't even turned the game on yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, and that's our. Isn't this like our? Well, we didn't open the Western Illinois with a fumble, did we? But uh, I mean, this is like the third game where we've had really early fumbles, and all three were losses. Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, clearly, and obviously, it goes without being said. Like early turnovers get you in a hole, and you got to crawl back from it. That's a recipe for disaster. Sneed sails the pass. He definitely sailed the pass. Receivers open. Receiver was definitely open. Let's bookmark that. Let's yeah, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Um, so, kickoff. Um, was it a short kickoff? Because Gavin Crow fielded it. Well, so what it looked like, so the, the North Dakota kicker isn't a very strong leg. So, of course, it was a little tough to tell with the TV. Where was he last week from but, Portland State? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what it looked like was is they had flowers up on about the 15 or so. Okay. And then it was either it was Crow for the first, and then it was Calhoun after that. And they were back on about the five, but the guy was putting him down between the five and the goal line. So, I mean, he was kicking him okay. And Crow had a nice go- return going, but you could see it coming. He just he wasn't protecting the ball because he's not used to carrying the ball. Yeah. Guy came up behind him, knocks it out. North Dakota recovers. Son of a bitch. Had you tuned in yet? Yes. <laughs> I saw that play. <laughs> I think that was we were texting, and you're like, I'm not watching, I'm not watching yet. And I was like, okay, I saw that. And I yeah. was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and this was before the profanity started on my Twitter account, if you're wondering. <laughs> so so this is the second turnover North Dakota recovers inside their red zone. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's almost like a carbon copy of last week, except instead of 
there being a blocked punt on a three and out, it's just we didn't even we don't even want the ball. Here you go. Five plays later, Kettingham, another touchdown pass. The guy had like single digit touchdown passes coming into the game through four against the Grizz. I mean, he looked freaking all world, and he's not. Yeah, and we killed him when he played for Sack a couple years ago. Yeah, but because that was the game that we scored like sixty points. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, destroyed him. Yep. 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 We get the ball back um, because that's the order of operations. <laughs> <laughs> and for now, <laughs> now, and very quickly, I kind of forget that we're shitting the bed because Gabe Solser, who's awesome, there's a there's a highlight. Gabe is going to be fun to have. Oh yeah, because now this is he had an end around, and it's the third time this year he's ran this end around for like fifty plus yards. It's like teams know this is coming, and they can't stop it. Unfortunately, he got caught on like the. Eight yard line or something like that. Yep. So what? One more play. We're got Sneed hits hits Deming, I think. Yeah. Or Rensvold. Rensvold. And uh, gets it down to the one. So then it's like here we are, second goal on the one. I'm thinking, you know, we've got Eastwood, Lee, Calhoun traveled. So Calhoun was back and he and played. played later in the game. Yeah. We have some conventional options. Yep. Um, instead, we go with one person in the backfield and. Who was that one person? Colin fucking Bingham. <laughs> and you're thinking, all right, they're going to check him out and throw on second down and one. No! <laughs> so what, what, is, what I'm going to say, I'm just going to guess. I didn't fact check this. His very first carry. It has like, to be, right? As yes. Grizz, yes. For a tight end. He gets spanked and drops the ball. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, some people are going to say, well... The O line didn't hold the blocks, and they were they basically blew up the handoff. And to that, I would say, we all know who the O line is at this point in the season. So shame on you, coaches, for calling that play, right? Yeah, and the ball was never in Bingham's hand; like it was like alligator arm and off the chest and right into the pile. It was because Bingham probably saw the guys blowing up the O line. It was like, oh shit. <laughs> Bingham's a horse. He's a yeah. big dude, and he's powerful. He's athletic. I just don't get it. But it's like the it's like putting the fridge back, you know, in the backfield and saying like, try to slow me down for a yard. And it's like they're they're going and they're getting cute again. And I I get what they're trying to do is they're probably trying to make North Dakota think we're not going to run and then catch them off guard. But again, it's like I mean I know our our O line isn't great and our run game hasn't been amazing. But on second and one, I don't care if you want to put put uh, Bingham in the backfield. Put one of our running backs in. Put Justin Calhoun in. It's like, I don't understand this whole, like, rotational stuff. And either Calhoun's in the doghouse or he's not. But he played. And there's a lot of things you could say about Justin Calhoun in his fourth year now. He's probably not an every down back because he's too fragile, I think. I think we probably all agree with that. At yeah, least this year. Yeah. But I know that Justin Calhoun, even if he gets hit, can keep his fucking legs moving and probably score a touchdown from the one-yard line. Give him the ball twice for all I care. Like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm already I, angry. He's angry <laughs> soul. Take a drink, Mike. Although, they, they turn it, you know, North Dakota recovers on our two. On and a five, right? So, they, it, we fumble was, on the two, the they two. recover on the... Oh, uh, is that what it's like? No, it was a two, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. not to give too much foreshadowing, but 98-yard touchdown drive. And really, that drive, I don't think we had a single light. Good defensive play. It was yards and how, what, how many plays? Nine plays, 98 yards. I mean, so, I mean, that's more than 10 yards a play. Yeah. I mean, it was chunk plays the whole time. Yep. 
I, this loss hurt for so many different reasons. But one of the things that hurt the most was I kind of thought that like every so often I got like a little like glimmer of hope, right? I mean, it, and then it just was extinguished so fast. You know, um, we've talked about momentum in this game on this podcast a couple times, and but it's like so clearly like we played the shittiest two possessions you could do, right? Spot them fourteen points, yeah. Get an awesome play, and we're gonna be down 14-7. It's like, that's a manageable game for these guys. It doesn't... Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, the the very first play of last week's game, uh, we fumble it right off the bat. But this week, we we get a first down, right? It's like a short pass to Bingham. I think Torre gets a catch first down. I'm like, all right, we got some momentum. We throw a pick, and then they got seven immediately, right? And then you kind of forget about that. You're like, all right, whatever. We're going to get the ball back and reset. We fumble the kick. And then they're in the end zone again. So it's like the glimmer of hope that's extinguished. Then we get the ball back. Gabe runs this like 59-yard streak. And I kind of completely forget about the rest of the game. We get down to the one-yard line, fumble it. The glimmer of hope is extinguished. Like every time something good happened, I feel like immediately something catastrophic happened. And it it hurt as a fan to watch it. Oh, yeah. That was really painful. I mean, that was that was maybe... The ugliest Bobby Howe coached game I think I've ever seen. And then on that 90-yard, 98-yard drive, we stuff them kind of for a short run, and then they bust off a 31-yard run, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of get excited even, like, down when a team's standing in their end zone. You're like, I'm thinking safety, whatever. We're going to maybe pin them deep, block a punt, like all these possibilities. But no, they get out of their own end zone, and then nine plays later, that included, like, a long third down conversion. They had a, I think, an illegal man downfield that wiped away a long pass, but then they just came back and threw for a longer one. Right? Like every time something good happened, nope. So, do you think uh, the running backs collectively feel like Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl or not quiet? <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> quiet. <laughs> not quiet. Not quiet. Not quiet. But they're all sitting there, it's like, we don't care which one of us you gave the ball to. Just give the ball to one of us. <laughs> um, I misspoke earlier. Uh, Kenningham actually had five touchdown passes, not four. So oh, okay. instant fact correct. You know. <laughs> so on that drive, he ends up throwing a 45-yard touchdown pass. On so third and On third and 17. 17. Third and 17. Which, this is another thing we've talked about on the podcast a couple times, but it's like, we have been a terrible third down and long defense for about the last five seasons now. <laughs> like, under Delaney, under Seymour and Ty. Like, even when Ty was running good defenses, that was our Achilles heel. Oh, yeah. That and, like, the, the tight end streaking over the middle on a delay or something like that. And it's like, that's like four different offensive or defensive coordinators, and we're still... Same damn problems. What was that Billings family that had like twelve kids that come through our pro came through our Lebsock, program? Lebsock, the Lebsock. We need another Lebsock. We need like five of them. <laughs> they could all come. Yeah, maybe the oldest has kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not a knock on the players because I mean no, no, this no, is no. one thing, and we probably want to say it early because these players are playing their heart out, and that's one thing you can you can tell is like they did play and they played hard, and I don't want to like come off like we're picking on them. Because it's, you know, it's called sports and it is what it is. But 
I don't think you can lose a game like this, 41-14, and not have some conversation about collectively underperforming. So end of first quarter, 21-0, which might as well be... I mean, the, the game was over. Like, how could said coming in that this is going to be the best defense they play all year after what we'd seen the week before against PSU with our offense and then this first quarter? I mean, you were telling yourself they could do it, but the reality is looking back, it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just felt that fumble at the goal line that, that would have made it a seven-point game, and the next thing you know, you're down 21. Like, it just felt like it was over. I mean, I mean, it was. It took the wind out of my sails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was funny because Stacy and I went up to my aunt's house and watched the game, and my folks were up there and a couple of my aunts and uncles, and Stacy and James had an appointment, so they missed the first half. And she was texting me a little bit, and she was like, about halftime, she was like, so should I come up or is it just awful? And I said, oh, no, we're over it at this point. <laughs> Come on up and have a good time because, you know, there's no more getting mad about the game. It's done. It's over. And things didn't get any better. No, no, they did not. Again, like, any time we did something well, it felt like it was just wiped out immediately. We punt a couple times. They go to punt a couple times. On their second punt, Mitch Roberts, who's the brother of Ben Roberts, Olivia Roberts, uh-huh. he blocks a punt. Which is crazy. We blocked a punt, and that's another thing that's like you're feeling like, all right, all right. But I think that Britt and I might have texted this. Like, somebody on our text thread was like, all right, they're going to make something happen. And either Brent or I was like, watch them not. Yeah. Well, we recover on our 18. Yeah. And I am actually, like, pretty optimistic. I'm like, we've given them enough stabs, we're going to finally punch one through. Uh, the first thing that happens is Sneedy eats a sack. <laughs> and then I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, oh, we're at the 27. This is probably in field goal range. A uh, 22-yard completion to Torre gets wiped off the board. Touchdown, a touchdown. A touchdown. Because uh, one of the linemen is downfield. Downfield. Way downfield. Which they never showed a replay of. So he probably was, but I hate that call. So we get a touchdown wiped off the board, and then... We end up having to attempt a 45-yard field goal that's missed. Again, nothing can go right. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. Like, it's nothing just, else to say. I mean, uh... And honestly, you look at the, 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 the drive charts and the time. I mean, it's like the defense did fairly okay in the second quarter for the first 10 minutes. But yeah. then they gave up two touchdowns in the last four minutes of the game. I don't know how much how much to really analyze the defense. They have been on the field quite a bit. Brent, you mentioned in your Egris write-up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what we've seen now, this is the third week in a row. They've been on the field for more than 38 minutes of clock time. So, essentially, the defense is playing two-thirds of the game every week. And so, I mean, while it might just be an extra seven or eight minutes Per week, I mean, you look at the amount of, and especially all three of these teams have been run-heavy teams for the most part. I mean, the the front guys, they're just they're just getting beat up. Of all the problems that we need to address, I don't, I can't, I can't necessarily pick out a top problem on the defense. What do you guys think could be the one thing you would choose to improve if you could just wave a wand and tighten up the defense a little bit? Tighten up the defense. I would like to see more pressure from the D, interior D line. I mean, I think that some of our issues on defense boil down to they're just not getting to the QB enough, it, you know, and that's some of the reason that we're getting such high um, tackle totals from our linebackers and some of our safeties 
is we're just not stopping it. It's like they've got to be exhausted, but you watch that game, and I'm like, the number of missed tackles our defense had in that game was outstanding. Especially from guys that are regularly more reliable. Yep. I mean, you had Buss, you had Olsen, you had all sorts of guys just having a rough go of it. So let's start to diagnose maybe some of the issues we see on offense. You don't want to even finish the scoring? Oh, my God. Why does it even matter, Mike? Christ. So what if we just hop ahead to the stuff we kind of liked that we saw late in the second half? There we go. I like it. There That's we cool. go. N- nobody scored in the third quarter anyway. It was 34 nothing at half. Yep. They scored one touchdown in the second half total. 41 nothing. Then we scored two touchdowns. So we, we see Cam Humphrey. Yeah, you know, so one thing, like, let's talk about that for a second. It was 34 nothing at halftime. And, and Snead actually looked injured. Yeah. Like, he, he looked limping. like he was, he was limping. He was limping. It it's like. 34 nothing. Like, put the other guy in and get him some snaps. Like, what? I mean, on one hand, I get it. It's like you don't want to look like you're giving up or anything like that. And you don't want to, you, you don't want to show your team that, you know, oh, we're throwing in the towel. But I just, I mean... None of our preseason, our pre-conference games worked out in a way to get Humphreys meaningful snaps. So coming in, he was like two of five or something like that. And it's just like, you know what? Like, let's look for some silver linings here. Just get him some snaps so we know if the one guy gets hurt. Or let's see what he's got. Put him behind the number one on line. Mm-hmm. Opportunity they never gave Jensen in the spring ball, but never mind. <laughs> That's long behind, Mike. Long behind. Uh, water under the bridge. Water <laughs> under the bridge that's flooding over in most. I actually want to talk about that later in the podcast. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> but I don't get it. So finally, you know, finally Humphreys comes in, what, 10 minutes left in the um, fourth quarter, 11 minutes left, something like that, and almost immediately throws a touchdown pass to Sammy Kemp. And some people on the, the venerated egris would tell you that it was an underthrown ball, and maybe it was. Other people would tell you he threw it to the back shoulder where only the receiver could catch it with the thinking there that if he catches it, he goes down, but you make a big game. But then Akem beat the corner and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They get the ball back. He hits Akem again, 24-yard touchdown. Beautiful. And that one, like... Easiest touchdown easiest throw, touchdown you'll, throw you'll ever have. Like they, Akem sold a fake well. But what's weird to me is like, and this could just be anecdotal, and it's one person's opinion, and I'm not going to make Brent have one. I might make Luke. Might make Luke have uh-huh. one. Okay, good. I've been saying a lot, less on the pod and more just in conversation, that one of my concerns is that the receivers have really not been involved in a way that their talent would say they are, and that people are going to jump and be like, well, maybe the receivers aren't as good as they as we think they are, and they could be right. But one thing I do know is that those guys were all recruited for a vertical passing game, and we just haven't done it for a lot of reasons. Um, but one of the things I've been worried about is, like, the longer that goes on, like, if we're winning, that's, you know, you could deal with that, but you start to lose a little bit, I don't know. So what, I, what I'm getting at is the receivers look more into the game in the last 11 minutes of this game than they have in weeks, in my opinion. What do you think? I want to maybe address this vertical receiver thing that mm-hmm. you like to talk about. That was North Dakota's second string. Yeah. Oh, oh don't get me wrong. Like, if you look at my Twitter, and one of the first things I said is we need to be careful drawing conclusions because they're playing against backups. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that you're watching the game, and it's like you can just be like, holy cow, we haven't seen somebody throw the ball like that on our team 
this season. Brent, what do you think? I mean, I know because I play a lot of men football, <laughs> we have vertical threat receivers, we have possession receivers. How much of that stuff do you see in college? And, like, these kids are young. They're, can't you mold them to be whatever you kind of need them to be to some extent? To some extent. But, I mean, you look at, like, Samari Touré is, like, was the home run hitter last year. And this year, I mean, he's connected. The Portland State was kind of his first, but it's just, like, this guy has a tough time in this offense because that just that just isn't there. But then the the possession guy, the Akem, who's actually shown he's got good breakaway speed too. Uh, he's I mean he's leading the receivers. He's got six touchdowns this year. I mean, he's the guy that that's really reaping the rewards. And so I mean, but it, it's tricky. I mean, Jerry Lou McGee started hot, but has been pretty cool the last couple of weeks. And, and fair or not, like I almost put Jerry Lou McGee in a different category of receiver. Yeah. Because I think he's been over 100 yards twice this season. But we talked a lot about like he's part of the running game. Like we're throwing him a lot of bubbles and, and screens and trying to make stuff happen. Same thing they're probably going to do with Solcer. So it's like it's not the same type of passing yards, which goes to another conversation of, you know, Sneed's completions and where are they and yards after catch, which I don't have the stats on yards after catch. That'd be interesting to look at. So something something that happened this game that's the first time I think it's happened all season is Akim and Torre both went over 100 yards, and I don't think either one of them has gone over 100 yards at this point. Akem maybe in the uh, Cal Poly game. Did he go over 100 in Cal Poly? I think so. I mean, he's he got... set a couple career highs this year. Yeah, I think that was the game too. So, so you know, I mean, not to read too much into that, but a, a lot of Akem's yards came with Humphreys in. Torrey was involved too, but not to the same extent. But Dalton's need for the game was 25 of 38 for 200 passing yards, long of 15. Cam Humphreys was five of eight for 143 yards. And, yeah, second string. Like, this is not the same thing. I think we need to acknowledge that. But from my perspective, there's been an issue with our offense the last two weeks. And it's something that I want to dig into with you guys. My my lower abdomen is sort of bruised because you just keep beating around the bush. (laughs) Are you trying to tell us... That Cam Humphrey is a better quarterback for this offense and this re- these receivers. I think Cam Humphreys is a better quarterback for these receivers. Okay. I think Dalton Sneed may be a better quarterback for this O-line, which is the problem the coaches have. Yeah, I, I, that's a great point. Because I was going to say, like, the running game and the fact that the QB has had very little time, you need a guy like Sneed to run away. Uh, I mean, look how they had they made that work at the beginning of the season. All of a sudden, the last two weeks, when teams take away that ability to run, if if the QB isn't running, I don't know, it might be time. And in the last two weeks, I think you've also seen a bit of, I think Sneed's looking to run too quick, which was one of our concerns coming into the season. Do you get the sense that the O-line has matured enough to now protect Cam Humphrey? Because so, against Portland State, they looked really weak. Here's the thing. A running quarterback's a double-edged sword because they can run and they can get out of sacks, right? Yeah. But the flip side of that is they also run out of their protections. So sometimes, and not always, if you get a guy back there who's not going to leave the pocket as much, it becomes a little bit easier for the O-line because they know he's not going anywhere. Like My job is we need to protect the pocket for three seconds. 
And I don't think we're going to turn into the the team that, you know, Bob Stitt was building where they needed to sit back there and throw the ball. But, you know, what I was talking about with receivers, just to kind of illustrate this point and maybe them getting a little bit anxious and whatnot, um, Dalton Seed this year is 161 of 260. Uh, for That's 62%. Um, Ten touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,546 total yards. That equates to 6.138 yards per attempt. Which, where, where does that get you? So Is that pretty good? I, I would say that people would tell you that an above-average quarterback is going to be above seven. And really, a quarterback's having a good year, they're going to be above eight yards an attempt. Okay. Because that's not... We're not talking about yards per completion, but we're talking about we're generating enough passing that whether you complete it or not, just on average, when you complete a pass, you're getting that many yards. What that also tells us is that Sneed's stats on the percentage-wise are probably overinflated by underneath and checkdowns and dump-offs, which is not completely his fault because we haven't had a running game for about half of our games this year, and he's had to do throw to the running backs out of the backfield, throw to Jerry Lou McGee on screens, and you know, but those are higher percentage passes than if you're chucking it downfield. In the comparison, and I'm, I'm not trying to go off on a Jensen debate because that is water under the bridge, but to give you a comparison, last year Jensen for the year was 177 of 294, so 60.2%, so 60% passer, which, you know, in my mind, the 60% line's, you know, the good, the good cutoff, like, you want to be above that. 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 2,531 yards, or 8.8 yards wow. an attempt. Wow. So it's like you talk about these receivers, and it's like these guys were recruited for that. Yeah. And that's what I worry about is just like, you know, I know that everyone's got to pull their 111, but are, we're not taking advantage of our receivers. And even if they're not as good as we think they are, we're still not taking advantage of them. And people are going to jump on this and say, well, how can you throw downfield when you don't have time? And to that I would say there have been plenty of times where Snead has had time to throw and the ball hasn't been where it needs to be. Like, even in this game, like there was a, a ball to, that Curran, I think, should have caught in the end zone. Yeah. But it was, it, was, it was just a hair too far. And all season, it feels like, except with the exception of the one Torrey touchdown against Portland State, those balls have been just a little too far or off. And it's like, you go back to Portland State, and, and Snead just flat out missed Jerry Lou McGee on our last drive, would have won the game. Just flat out missed him. Yeah. And that's what I worry about is that that downfield, he doesn't seem to have the accuracy downfield in a way that I think is beneficial to the team, and he doesn't even have the touch. And I know this is picking on Snead, and I'm not meaning to because I think Snead has also won a couple of games for us this year, so it's like I'm not trying to take away from that. But I also think that clearly what's happening is – Defenses have figured out, try and take away his run, limit the check down damage, and make them throw downfield, and we haven't responded. Yep. And it, it, it's uh, – so you look at this, and so one of the things I kind of dissected was the first five games and the last two games. The first five games were 4-1. and one. Of course, we know the last two they've lost. But Snead's numbers, the first five he's passing for 255 yards a game. And he's completing almost well. He's completing about sixty-five percent of his throws. Uh, you get to these next two, and he's now down to completing one hundred and sixty-one per game, so almost a hundred yards off. Now, 
granted, he got yanked out of the last one. And, well, was having a terrible start in the Portland State. What, what he had negative numbers passing at the half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his completion percentage is now down to 53%. Uh, but the the most stark difference is in his first five games, he had 410 yards rushing, 82 per game. Uh, the last two weeks, he's had 13. And so uh, another thing, in, in like kind of circling around your point, Mike, is Dalton Sneed's game is using his feet. And we talked about this last week. Portland State spot blitzed him with a with a a gap linebacker, mm-hmm. and then spied him with another. And with the then now we get to the three four type of defense with North Dakota, and they masked it a little bit, but they kind of did the same thing. And when Sneed can't run, he's got to rely on his arm, and then he's got guys in his face fast as well too. And it it, it seems to be the recipe for disaster. And and so you hate to bring up prior seasons, but this this feels like this critical point from like two thousand I want to say sixteen, where suddenly. The the defense was great, and then we go to Northern Arizona, and it was awful, and then it could never get it back. And like NAU, it, NAU killed us. Eastern killed us. We beat Idaho State, but they put up like 400 yards. I can't remember who the next loss was, and of course, Cats beat us. So it's just like the Grizz just crumbled because and it was like they figured it out the like the one thing that works. <clears throat> and so I don't know if that's going to happen, but this you get this feel like okay. This this bye week came at a great time because it's it's either time to reinvent or change gears or figure something out. Yeah, if Dalton Sneed isn't a threat with his legs <clears throat> and he's not throwing downfield like we need him to, if we roll with Cam Humphreys, do we have to think about Max Protect? Well, to give him more time. That's the thing we don't know, and the coaches know better than we do. But it's like one of those things where, and maybe they did it on purpose because they did not want to undermine any confidence in Dalton, who they think is their clear number one. It would have been nice to see Cam with the number one O-line for the second half just to see what would happen. Because I am of the opinion that even if our sacks double, you know, say we get sacked, say Cam gets sacked four times a game. If there's a threat of a downfield passing game, I think it opens up the intermediate passing game and the run game a little bit more, and it makes life easier on the O-line. And I know that it's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing. Like, is Snead struggling because the O-line's bad? Or is the O-line problems over-magnified because we can't throw downfield? I mean, who knows? But I guess I would tell you that after two historically bad games, right? I mean, Portland State winless for their last whatever against D1s. And then this was the worst loss in Bobby Houck's career. To, it has to be. Yeah. At least to an FCS team. Yeah. I mean, worst loss in his career. Like, what are we... What you If you earn your jobs on the field, and we are 4-3, and three, and the last two weeks our offense has been neutered, I am of the mind that if I'm the decision maker, I'm going to start Cam Humphreys against UC Davis, because what the hell do you have to lose? And it's like, I get that Sneed's the leader, and that's... Tr- Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I know you have to factor that in, but at the end of the day, I think they owe it to the guys on the team to figure out if, like, maybe if we put somebody who could throw it a little bit better, can we make a spark? I don't know. I want your reactions to that, both of you. Oh, my God. Go ahead. <laughs> First of all, Huck is right below this table. You be careful with the word neuter. <laughs> Too late. That's why he started growling. Yeah. <laughs> Bad memories. 
I almost think that if Dalton Sneed's the leader we think he is, he gives Cam Humphreys the blessing, or the coaches the blessing, to start against UC Davis. Yeah, but is that too, like, textbook movie? Like, do, do people do that in real life? <laughs> no, but, no, but I think if the coaches go to Sneed and say, we're going to go with Cam, he has to swallow that pill gracefully because he's had all the opportunity in the world. He's just not effective. He's like, like Brent diagnosed the breakdown of the last two games versus the first half of the season, and he's not getting any yards on the ground, and he hasn't been able to hit yeah. deep. And it's not, you're not, and this is probably the tough point for the coaches, because the coaches' relationship with Snead is a hell of a lot longer than the team's relationship with Snead. So it's like, it's not like you are benching Eli Manning, right? Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, everybody who comes to this school, you know, bleeds for the team, and they're playing, but it's like, Snead doesn't have two years of being the starter of, of, you know, like, oh, we can't mess with this. It's like, the reality is, he's started seven games for a team that's four and three, and there's a problem. And I don't want to put Brent on the spot because Brent's a lot more diplomatic than I am in this. But I think that he also has a more rational take, maybe. He's definitely more rational. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, I think we should just go with Garrett Graves. Yeah, yeah why no. not? Well, interesting point. Four games left of the season. We could use Garrett Graves, yeah. Well, here's the, <laughs> here's the fucked up thing. Is if we don't fumble the ball at this incredible rate, we might have a serious, like, undiagnosed problem, but we're sitting so much better. We're six and one. We're six and one. And we're Sne- six and one. And then we're not talking at all about whether or not Sneed is. Well, I would probably still be talking about but, if the only thing we did was diagnose the two fumbles that would have won us Western Illinois and West won us Portland State and then lost North Dakota like this. I would still be talking about this. I mean, Brent, I, Brent, but that, that's a really good point because you look at. I mean, so Jerry Louis McGee doesn't fumble against Western Illinois, and we literally lose one less fumble against Portland State, and we're six and one. But we probably still go to North Dakota and get the shit kicked out of us. And so, so we're in a better spot for playoffs. We are a game out and hosting the first place team in two weeks. Like everything's in front of you for playoffs and potentially winning the Big Sky, but. I think you're still deep down the flawed team that you are because it's like you still can't protect the quarterback. The last two weeks, Dalton Sneed still can't get out and run with the ball. He still can't hit the deep targets. It's not like it's like these two little plays. And I think I looked at this because this team, it's it's so crazy because you could you could take away some games from him pretty easily too. You could say, Northern Iowa was a possession away from beating us, the way that second half went. And that's a good Sac, point. Sac State was probably one long run play, another long run play, away from tying or taking us to – I mean, like, that game – now, granted, I think the Grizz had a good fourth quarter against Sac. But, I mean, all of a sudden, you swing those two games the opposite way. And this is a – we're a two-win team. And so it's like the crazy they, – they just live on this edge – and I think Bobby's quote of saying this is a very average team that kills itself with its mistakes is is the perfect analogy because I you know you look at this and it's like 
they're young and they make a shit ton of mistakes. And I mean, it's uh, these guys want to win, obviously, but it's just like uh, these errors compound. It's interesting because even even through the city era and the end of the Delaney era, you felt like we beat the teams we should beat and we lost to the teams we should lose to, and yep. we were never really upset, and we were never really we never really upset anybody. You take out North Dakota State with with Stitt, and it's pretty much the same. Like, you could argue he should have beat Cal Poly in the second game. You know, semantics there. Portland State was the first game in a long time where it was like, holy cow, like, we should have beat that team. Like, I mean, it's not like a good team coming into Washington Grizz. It was a bad team. The coaches have to be so frustrated because there are sort of mistakes that you can more or less control or maybe feel like you have... Uh, slightly more agency over, mm-hmm. but something like all of these stinking fumbles. How do you coach your kids not to drop the ball? It has to be the most infuriating type of error for a coach. And it's almost one of those that it's like it breeds itself. It's like guys see each other fumbling and then they're paranoid about it and then they fumble. You know, it's like it's like playing tight versus playing loose. The yips. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like Chuck Knobloch not throwing the first base. <laughs> I remember the like maybe the nineteen nineties movie, the program. All right. The fo- college football movie. I remember that was like maybe the first time I was ever introduced to what steroids were. Um, but Omar Epps plays life changing moment for Luke. <laughs> yeah. Then I started doing a lot of deep bench press. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Omar Epps plays a running back, and he kind of has the yips. He fumbles a ton, and uh, the coach makes him carry a football around with him everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some sort of, sort of reward for any other teammate who can bring the coach that football. And it breaks out into all sorts of hijinks because he's like sitting in class, and someone tries to strip him, mm-hmm. and the ball comes out, and it's like this huge like scrum for the ball of all these football players and the professors just standing there in awe like what the fuck's going on uh-huh. but anyway i was kind of thinking i wonder if a lot of Grizz football players have a like have a football with them on campus this week <laughs> like just walking around campus yeah, with the ball don't drop that damn ball <laughs> don't ever put it down not for nothing not to shower to pee like you always have someone's that ball in a, in someone's in a chemistry lab and they're like you really need to put that down this, this you don't understand this is and there's like how can the window like don't you dare put that ball he's like mouthing it like the horror movie he's just pointing at the end <laughs> like you will be running up this mountain if you put that ball down you hold those chemicals with one hand so I don't know you know and have said it two two games in a row and the post game, but he said, you know, it's like something along the lines of if you put the ball on the ground, you don't play. But honestly, from the Portland State game, nobody who put the ball on the ground really lost playing time because Lee played this game too and fumbled again. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, Lee, Lee didn't fumble the North Lee, Dakota game. Lee fumbled the North Dakota game, didn't he? No, I don't think Lee was on the field much. Let's go so, look at the box score. No, keep it running. This is live fact-checking. Toure fumbled, Bingham fumbled, and the third fumble was Gavin Crow. Yep, nope, you're right. See? Fact-checked, Mike's wrong. Bonzi's email Bonzi is going to hit you. <laughs> I don't really care about Bonzi. You guys seem to be really into Bonzi. <laughs> but I will say, it's weird to me that Bonzi's email address changed from the first time he emailed. <laughs> I didn't so, um, clearly... Stuff has happened here, guys. Do we have a Bonzi copycat? Ooh. Clearly. 
But Brent, like, has a man crush on Bonzi. He's his only follower on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyway, back on track. So, sorry. I apologize, Elijah Lee. So, but then Lee's the only one who isn't playing. Right. Because, you know, Jerry Lou McGee, still still playing. Curran, still still playing. playing. Sneed, who's had terrible turnover his last two weeks, really, still playing. Yep. So, I'm curious. It's like... You know, traditional Bobby Houck, like they've got two weeks. I, I bet you almost feel like they do this mini spring camp this week and like start the hell over. You almost have to. I mean, that that's like the thing. Like you've got flush you, it. You have a four game season. Yep. In front of you, and so you've got to treat this week as like it's it's whatever August fourth, and here we go. Like positions are open. Let's go. Yep. And who knows? And four a four game season that really they have to win them all. Like, in theory, they could lose one, win seven games, make the playoffs, except that I don't think they can this year. Because you look at who we've beat, Northern Iowa's got a losing record. You look at who we've lost to, Western Illinois has a losing record. Portland State's going to not come anywhere near the playoffs. So it's like, reality is, if they win out, they're going to make the playoffs. And if they don't, they're done. They're done. I'll tell you what you don't do. Don't let your kids go to WSU this weekend. <laughs> well, um, here's what I think you. <laughs> I'd completely oh forgotten about that one. Here's what you do this weekend you just start prepping for the Cats. You just say, we're going to lose the next three games. Just we are forfeit. Old. Get everyone healthy. Forfeit just... the next three games. So, but here's the thing, and this is a tough thing because it's like, I think you're still playing for the playoffs. Yes. But the redshirt rule says, Guys can play four games in a season and still redshirt. So, like, if we lose another game, I want to see every one of our redshirt, our freshmen, offensive linemen, and defensive linemen playing. Yeah. Right? I want to get them game experience and say, you know, let's figure this out. You know, let's get you experience so you're not fresh and new. Because I guarantee you, and this is a hot take, our line would be better. I agree for sure. I also wonder, like, why isn't Stoner starting? I don't know. Like, is he still being punished? He quit the team in the spring. Yep. He came back and had to walk on. Yep. And it's like, I get punishing people, but it's kind of like with Calhoun. It's like, they're either on the team or they're not. Can you talk to me a little bit? And this is really for Dave Koontz. Uh, what would our offensive line look like if we could play all of our freshmen? Well, Cole Swain would be starting. Uh, yeah, well, Swain would probably be starting. I uh, Tackle would be interesting because... Beavers had his ups and downs. He's probably been the most penalized yep. guy on the line. I would if venture. you know a, if you know a lineman's name, it's never the best. Well, thing. Western <laughs> Illinois, Western, Western Illinois took a touchdown off the board with yeah. a suspectish holding, and yeah. then this last one did too. So, but that that I mean Stoner, but I think Sean Anderson maybe because mm-hmm. like um, the kid's got the size, and he he he. I think he's on the two deep. <laughs> uh, Is it Sane or Swain? Swain. Swain. Yeah. So he's the only one that's actually seen the field. Yes. Which is why it's tougher for all the rest of them, which is part of the reason that I would love to see him play a little bit so that they could kind of evaluate with real game tape and get some feel for it. Because one of the things that, that, you know, Brent had said was in his observation that O-line played better when Swain was in that one game. Yeah. So I'm just – and it's like, don't get me wrong. I want him to play for the playoffs until the playoffs aren't a thing. But this whole redshirt rule is kind of, it's intriguing to me because if we do, if it becomes a lost season, 
it's such an opportunity because this team is so young that getting those guys two or three games of experience is such an advantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and so we'll, we'll have to see. And we're going to know fast because it's not like we play a couple of down-and-out teams when we return. We play the number one team in the conference and uh, maybe the best offense in the conference too. So we'll know real fast where we're going. Yep. The interesting thing is I actually think if we somehow manage to beat UC Davis and then win at Southern Utah – and we have two games left. I still start doing it because then even if you make the playoffs, they can play two games in the playoffs. And even best case scenario, <laughs> guys, we're not going farther than two games in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's of like the ceiling of all ceilings. Vegas isn't getting my money. No, <laughs> no. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting to see kind of where that goes. I mean, the, the fumbles as a whole, it, it's just, it's such a weird, it was such a weird game. It's been a weird two weeks. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing. These, like, I dissected the first five games from the last two, and it's 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 two totally different football teams. It, it's just crazy. It's like we go from scoring 38 per game to 17 per game. Our defense is allowing five more points per game. We are negative three the last two weeks. We are positive three the first five. Yeah. We're mean, getting run all over, though, since Cal Poly. And yeah. Well, but Sac State ran all over us, yeah. and Cal Poly, we beat Poly. So, we. I mean, our rush defense is not being great, and it's continued to not be great. But, yeah. But, I mean, the turnovers is a huge margin. And then offense just isn't – in, we've only had four red zone trips in two games. That's crazy. Four. And we only scored twice. So this is the thing, I mean, to circle back here, and it's like, I mean, I know it's crazy, and it's like there are so many things that this team's not doing well that to put it all in the QB is not what I'm trying to do. But it's also the one and only change that you can make that is just a one-person swap to see if something else happens, right? Mm-hmm. It, you can't swap out the whole old line because who are you swapping them out with? And the funny thing is you would probably do it if they were there. But on quarterback, it's a different position. So, I mean, I just really think that I don't think Hauk is likely to do this. But I feel like all the writing is there for it to be justified. And honestly, it, I'll be kind of curious to see if he doesn't and Sneed struggles how the team reacts. Because, you know, a lot has happened since Hauk came on board. And we don't need to unpack it all, but Hauk came on board, he brought in his QB, and his QB was QB1 from the first snap of spring ball. Like, you know, we don't need to rehash this, but it's like, I watched a ton of spring practice, and Jensen never got reps with the first string O-line. And for people, if people want to say that doesn't make a difference, look at our first string O-line and then think about what our second string O-line was like, right? (laughs) So it's like you start right there, and it's like if I notice that observing a practice, the guys on the team notice it. And we've heard a lot of things that the guys felt like Jensen quit on them, and and that's probably all true. And Snead kind of took the reins as the leader. But it's like like if people think that every position is up for grabs and people struggle except for that one, I think that's going to be a problem. So it's, I'm, I think that if Bobby doesn't make the change and Sneed struggles against UC Davis, I think then he has to make the change. Mm. Um, well, if anything, Humphreys is an unknown to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to spring an unknown change on someone, 
Now's the perfect time. Coming mm-hmm. off a of bye week. You know, and even if like even if they spring Humphreys and they get a win on UC Davis, and then Humphreys starts Southern Utah and struggles, bring Snead back in. He's healthy because he hasn't got beaten the crap out of for two and a half weeks. <laughs> then they didn't they had to prepare for two different guys. I mean it's like it's not like you're putting him out to pasture. <laughs> so I guess I mean I would do it. And how Interestingly enough, he's 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 done a lot of QB rotation at certain times in his career, but very rarely did he not start the starter. Yeah, like he yeah. very rarely was there ever like we're gonna swap out here. The only I mean there was so oh three you had the Oaks Disney, but that was more injury. Yeah, and then oh nine with Cell and Roper, but that was more to get Cell. Out of his head and into the job because once Cell locked in, that was his great the 09 team. Yeah. I mean, with that yeah. reason, great. Yeah. yeah. Here's the interesting thing: what what's going to be tricky is down the road now. Statistically, the defenses we face, for the most part, are shit. So Southern Utah has the worst scoring defense in the conference. Idaho has the third worst. And then you've got, well, I guess, you know, Montana State's pretty good. Davis is kind of right there in the middle of the pack. All three of these teams, all four of these teams outside of MSU are allowing more than 30 points per game. Mm-hmm. They're allowing quite a bit of yards per game as well, too. Southern Utah, Davis has given up 450. Southern Utah has given up 582 yards per game. So it's like, what'll be fascinating is the floodgates could open right back up for Dalton State. Oh, yeah. And so th- that'll be, we are... Until you probably hit that MSU game, we're over the hill of the tough, physical, confusing defenses. Yeah. My question there, and, and you're probably right. Like if you look at the schedule, it's like PSU and their flex defense, just because we hadn't really seen it. Screwy. And then North Dakota is probably the best defense physically we've seen, especially on the D line. You could argue that all Snead's games came against not great defenses either, except for Northern Iowa. But it, there was no film. Well, it'll be interesting to see. How Snead does now with all this film out on him against mediocre to sub mediocre defenses. If they can stop him, like if you, we go a first quarter without moving the ball against a crappy defense, I feel like you have to bring you him have in. to. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. like we talk about like this season, playing for next year, building a team and stuff like that. Like, if we don't make the playoffs this year, but we start Snead all season and we didn't take any time to properly evaluate Humphreys, we're in the same damn place next year. Yep. So I just, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, so I'm on the record here. I think they should start Humphreys. Luke, what do you think? Humphrey, not Humphreys, Humphrey. I think Sneed starts UC Davis, and the first sign of trouble, he's out. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I think we will see, assuming healthy, I think we'll see Snead until probably through most of Davis. Mm-hmm. And unless if that game gets way out of hand, I, I don't know. I just get this kind of gut feel. Like you said, you don't see Bobby traditionally making QB changes midseason. And maybe it's just because he had a good string of guys. Oh, yeah. And so um, the only time he had to make a big mid-season change. I guess there was a year Washington got hurt and Berkowitz yeah. came in. So. But Berkowitz should have been starting from the beginning. Washington was terrible. Yeah, they were, yeah. <laughs> but so, um, I think it's going to be Snead. I, I, I agree with you guys. I think Humphrey should get more of a look, but I don't know. I just, 
that it's going to be the whole big picture thing. And Mike, you always yell at me about this with like, no, but you're not wrong. Is that they start the seniors, start the leaders, you know, this and this and blah, blah, blah. And I think this is just going to be, I mean, if Snead's dinged up, get him healthy so he can run. Cause he needs to, that's a vital part of his game. And we've got a string of defenses that are not as good. So we'll, we'll scheme this guy to start running like crazy again. And, well, yeah, I think we'll, they'll keep him in. Yeah, I mean, you guys are probably right. And so, I mean, I, I think that people are going to listen to the podcast and say, yeah, two guys think Snead, one guy thinks Humphrey. That that actually makes sense, right? That's probably – that's honestly, I bet that's what the coaching staff feels, <laughs> right? I, mean, yeah. I bet their coaches on the staff that are like, well, I'll go with the other guy. So what do you think? So is it Bobby and Rosie that say keep Snead and it's Pease that says? Or who, who do you think is saying what? I think that it's probably Pease that would be the quickest one to say make Because he's the receiver's coach? Well, he's the receiver's <laughs> coach. My guys need to catch a fucking football. And he's the guy on the offensive staff that doesn't have pre-ties to Snead. That's a good point. But, and he's also the, you know, if you listen to the rumors on the whole Jensen thing, he was the one that maybe started to recognize that that <laughs> might be falling apart. Um, another wild card in it is, you know, in a couple different seasons with Bobby, they did the QB rotation. And in our pre, preseason pod, we actually all kind of said, we're going to probably see a QB rotation. Mm-hmm. And we just never really did. Yeah. And I could absolutely see him just kind of telling Snead, it's like, you're still our starter, but we need to get him some reps. So like every third Every third series in the first half, we're going to give him a chance. And then maybe you accomplish the same thing, although I don't really like that. I, I mean, if it's if Snead's your guy, Snead's your guy, and you play him. And if Snead's not your guy, you give Humphreys a chance, and you don't have a short leash. Like, I don't really like the rotation thing. No, I don't like it either. Um, well, I don't know that there's much more to talk about on this <laughs> game, but kind of a few depressing things to come of it. I mean, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I'm fairly certain I read um, that this was his worst, Bobby's worst uh, loss to an FCS team. It might even be his worst loss, period, from a points standpoint, like point spread. Um, The stats FCS poll came out this week, and as expected, the Grizz dropped out of it. But this is something I didn't realize, although looking back on it, it makes sense. This is the first poll in any week that Bobby Houck has been head coach of the University of Montana Grizzlies, that they are unranked. Wow. It's 107 polls. Wow. And it's the first one. That, I mean, like, and that, there's this article that, um, that is in the Missoulian. Um, Frank Gagola, the new uh, beat writer, um, has this article about the streak and a couple stats and stuff. And it was like, I was reading and it was like, I mean, the fans' expectations for Hauk I think are so ridiculously unfair. And it's like, even we've got them. Like, we've got this text thread with some of our buddies from around the country, and it's like, they were all like, you know, they fired Stitt because we weren't doing good enough, so the expectation for how is to do better. And don't get me wrong, like, if we miss the playoffs, I'm going to be pissed because that was my expectation. Like, yeah. You can rebuild, but we need to at least maintain. And the one big thing he can improve on from last time is he never won a national championship. But from a pure record standpoint... There's no way he's going to be as good as he was. I mean, it's just not possible. Like, the number of times that... So he was, in the, he was ranked 106 straight times. The last time he was here, Montana was ranked in the top 10 under Hauk 94 times out of the 100 <laughs> polls in his initial stint as coach. 
That means that for all but six weeks of Hauk's entire tenure, they were a top 10 team. I mean, it's like, I, I know we were good, but my God, like... No wonder Grizz fans are so spoiled with yeah. expectations. We wanted him fired every goddamn year. Yeah. Every year. Like, people were like, fire out. It's like, they were a top ten team. I mean, six times, what was, how many years? Was he year nine, was it? Yeah, three, oh, three through nine. I mean, so, that's crazy. Eight seasons? Seven. Seven seasons. Seven. So that's not even once a season not being in the top ten. Yeah, that's, that's wild. A, that's incredible. Well, no back-to-back losses until until yeah. Until now. First, I mean, and it's like I think that two is his career high for Big Sky Conference losses, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be by by how few Big yeah, Sky Conference losses. Oh, three or five. We had two conference losses in each of those years, not back-to-back. Yep. But yeah, the so. interesting thing, and I don't have the article in front of me, so I can't give you the great stat, and I can't give credit to who did it, but two of his previous worst losses. This was probably from the Missouli article, but I think it was from Sean Rainey. Or was it from it, Sean, Sean Rainey? Tweeted it, they yeah. were in the same season, and it was Weber and um, like Oregon or something, right? Yeah, and interestingly enough, I mean, we made the playoffs that year and beat Weber in the playoffs. So it's like, oh, yeah. if you want to look, yeah, if you want to look for a um, kind of redemptive angle to all this, it's like. He's had two bad losses in the season before, and they made the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, looking for positives here. Well, so and you can look at it this way as well, too. So when Bobby Howe came in in 2003, he inherited a team that had talent that fit within his scheme. And then rapidly, you bring in Justin Green, you bring in Lex Hilliard. He's doing what he wants to do right away. And you have arguably one of the three best quarterbacks Bobby's ever had with, with Craig Oaks. I think he's the best quarterback. Here. I mean, I mean, probably the most NFL ready QB, and unfortunately, you know, uh, his pro career didn't go too far. But that allows him to kind of springboard into what he's building. Yep. This isn't like Scott Frost, Nebraska levels, but it, but it, but you have a little bit of this going on where it's like, especially with some of these key pieces that Bobby likes in a team, offensive line, and. and You've got great vertical receivers, but he's not a vertical offense guy. And so this is a big this is a much bigger rebuild than it was when he came here in 03. And so you know, I, I mean the the funny thing, like you talk to a lot of rational Grizz fans, and a lot of people were saying we're between six and five and seven four as this mm-hmm. team. And honestly, we're staring down the barrel of six and five or seven and four. Because all four of these games are toss-ups down the road. Davis is we're not going to be favored. I mean, Idaho and Southern Utah on the road. They're toss-ups. I mean, because we just... We're, Average we're teams on the, on the road, road in the big sky are toss-ups. And then the Cats at home, you just, regardless of record... I know? mean, I think we're the underdogs in the Cats game. Right. Like, now, I think we could win we, it, but if, I mean... If, if, yep. if Bozeman was coming to town next week, we'd be the underdog. For sure. You should be. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. So, um, but so, I think... The, so, you look on the positive side, yes, we sh- it, like, especially if we, if we get one more loss... You got to start playing these these freshmen, which could be fun in its own right. Oh my god, yeah. Who who the hell cares? You know, it's like get these guys experience, and you've got to you've really got to start looking at because this next year, this Grizz team has to be exponentially better in all facets of the game, and like the biggest piece that's going to need to come the furthest 
is offensive line. And so, so you look at what we we've got. We've we've got just a, we've got a small senior class. I think like twelve guys or so. And we're going to see so, some guys cut though. We're, you know, I mean, we're we're going to see departures. It's going to happen. There's going to be guys that you know, probably a receiver or two that that came here for one thing and doesn't like what it is now. But um, you know, it's uh, I think this is this these next four games are probably like you said they're probably more important for 2019. They are for 2018. And, and don't get me wrong, the best thing that could happen for 2019 is them making the playoffs. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. Because they could get experience and they get an extra week or two of practice. Yep. But, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, you know, it's like we're, we're building for 2019. So to wrap up this week, I mean, I'll just say the thing that surprised me the most wasn't that we lost North Dakota because we talked about on the pod last week, this is the game I think we kind of thought this could happen. Yep. But then we were kind of thinking, well, since it happened last week, Bobby Houck teams don't lose two games in a row. And so I was just surprised at how flat they were. Yeah. You know what? That just surprised me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Western Illinois, they bounced back down 14-0 and two, you know, just two quick scores. Uh, This time they couldn't. So, again, young team. And this is is a tough thing to adapt to on the road. And it's tough to really say where you can fully shoulder the blame because I think – like we talked about in the last hour here, you can grab points all over. If mm-hmm. it's execution, if it's play call, if it's decisions, if, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. Mike, we have a bye week coming up, but we are still football fans. So this Saturday, you could go to Montana Tech's game against Eastern Oregon University. And while you're there, where can you stay? I could say at the Finland Hotel in historic uptown Butte, Montana. Go watch some football, stay at the Finland. Talk to me a little bit about the Finland, Mike. You know, the best thing about the Finland is that we should have been there last week because we could have went to the Cavalier Lounge about 10 minutes into the Grizz game and started having them just hook the smooth hopperator up to pitchers, get great fruit-infused beer from the always-hopping Cavalier Lounge, had a great time, then moseyed out to the lobby and got a cheap room for, what is it, 82 bucks? Yeah, 82 bucks a night, 80, 90, maybe as sweet as 90, regular room is 80. What I know is I'll drink more money <laughs> than I will spend sleeping there. 100%. And you know, whatever, go to a tech game, don't go to a tech game, I don't really care. Stay at the Finland Hotel, in a historic uptown Butte. I'm looking for an excuse to go there and watching the old uh, Montana Tech take on, I don't even know what Eastern Oregon's called. What's their mascot, Mike? Give me a guess. Um, I'm going to guess that they're the Eastern Oregon Hawks. I'll say the Panthers. The Mountaineers? What? Are there mountains in Eastern Oregon? No. What? (laughs) Fake news. Fake news. That's a really random... (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) go go Montana Tech and go Finland Hotel. That's hotelfinland.com. F-I-N-L-E-N.com. Sounds good to me. Mike, do you know what time it is? I think it's time for a check down. It's time for the check down. All right. Lasers. <laughs> We've upgraded. Luke doesn't have to make the lasers My himself. Because <laughs> Brent will do it. Going to update your CV, Brent. <laughs> uh, Luke, we don't work in the academic world. They're called resumes. <laughs> the check down is a segment in which I ask Mike very... Quick questions, and Mike answers somewhat quickly. (laughs) We're working on the quick part. So rapid fire, Mike. 
The, co- the color analyst for every football game you watch for the rest of your life. Phil Simms or Tony Kornheiser? Tony Kornheiser. If it was Phil Simms, kill me. Miller Hall, Jesse Hall. Miller Hall. Is Dalton Sneed the antonym for Justin Roper? <sighs> Dalton Sneed is way better than Justin Roper. If every Grizz home game tradition was scrapped except one, which one would he keep? My dad hands out candy after touchdowns. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Casey or JoJo? Uh, Casey. Would you rather win a championship and then not make the playoffs for 10 years or make the playoffs for 10 years and never win a championship? Make the playoffs for 10 years and never win a championship. Oh. You have to delete either Twitter or text messaging. Which one do you delete? <laughs> text messaging. Okay. <laughs> I've got rationale if you want it. <laughs> you have to delete one contact from your phone. Who is it? Rita Tucker. Oh. <laughs> it's just not a number that I'm calling that often anymore. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, it's probably safe to say Rita's not listening. Yes. <laughs> Rita, if you are listening, it's not personal. It's just we don't talk on the phone. <laughs> Do you only hit her up on Twitter? <laughs> oh, I think she, along with my mother, would be concerned about my profanity on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, that concludes the check down. Good job, buddy. <laughs> so that rolls into uh, Luke's lukewarm takes. Okay. Uh, I only have one this week because I'm afraid it's maybe it's maybe a little more warm than lukewarm. See, the problem here is I think we need to start screening these lukewarm takes ahead of time. <laughs> we need to send them to Brent and I because you freaking made fun of Tiger Rorak, loyal pod listener Tiger Rorak, <laughs> who then offered Gresh Jensen a fucking scholarship. <laughs> so, because of you. Because of you. You're going to put that on me? 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not my fault. We've created a linebacker controversy at MSU. <laughs> <laughs> this, this lukewarm take, I feel, is so apropos based off of a conversation that we had kind of in the break. Uh-huh. So here it is. Dogs are overrated. Really? Interesting. Which is not to say dogs are terrible. Dogs can be cute. Why do you hate happiness? They can be fun. They can cause happiness. But I feel like society is in this like zone right now where we're overrating dogs. They are destructive. They're expensive. And they're really a safety blanket for people who need to feel love or need to love something else. <laughs> Alright, so pod... Pod public service announcement, get the hell off Luke's lawn, everybody. <laughs> and, and, like, if I'm out on a trail, don't let your dog just run up to me. I don't know it's not going to bite me, but if I kick your dog because it runs up to me, it's going to be a fight. I, I don't want to fight in the woods. <laughs> uh, um, but I feel like I should be able to kick your dog if it runs up to me. There are so many things I want to delve into on this, but I feel like this is not the pod about Luke's dog takes. Every dog that has bitten someone was once an innocent dog who had never bitten someone. I don't want to get bit. Dogs are overrated. 
Also, right. don't call them fucking rescues, okay? Like, <laughs> it was a rescue dog. Like, did you, like, jump out of a Black Hawk helicopter behind enemy lines and, like, steal it from the jaws of death? It's not a rescue. You're broke and you got a cheap one. <laughs> this is turning into a burning hot day. <laughs> I know how you feel about Sammy. <laughs> oh, my God. We can't. No. My wife sometimes listens to the pod. <laughs> I feel like we need uh, Peter Griffin's What Really Grinds My Gears music right now, because that is what Luke is doing. (laughs) Uh, Let's bring this back to sports. Uh, Let's talk about the Big Sky Conference. So let's let's look at our picks real quick here. Montana, North Dakota. We both got that one wrong. We don't even talk about that anymore. It's done. Idaho at Montana State. We both got that one wrong. We both picked Idaho. Montana State won in the way they always fucking win at home where a team gets ahead and they come back and win by three points in the fourth quarter and it's fucking infuriating. But you know what? I have more respect for them now because we couldn't fucking beat Portland State. Well, that was a that was a missed field goal. I don't understand. Extra point. That extra, extra point, point looked extra point. good to me. Yeah. Like, it looked like a good extra point, but that was the game. We have the technology. We This is an engineering fucking school. Why can't we put ten more feet on the goalposts? You guys, Luke's rant made him forget what conference we play in. <laughs> the Big Sky Conference has no technology. <laughs> this needs to have be you an, watched Pluto. <laughs> an engineering project for... Some MSU students is figure out how we can add 10 feet to the goalposts. We shouldn't have this problem. This is 2018. It's weird. I'm with you. You know, Idaho State hangs their goalposts from the ceiling. What? Yeah. <laughs> have you not been in the Pocatello? I have not. Cult Arena? No. Trivia, the oldest dome west of the Mississippi. Wow. Wow. You're blowing my mind, Brent. Yeah. This is why we have Brent on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> so if you go, the the gold, the uprights hang from the ceiling, and there's a net above it. And if you hit the net, it's good. I love this. <laughs> this is a great the idea. MSU needs a dome. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but well, they uh, had snow this week, so, so they used it. So that, the one thing. So I was. Um, Hating life because the Grizz lost. It was the day after my birthday, and I had maybe had a couple too many drinks the night before, so I was just sitting in the recliner. But like we opened uh, the pod, I'm a Packer fan. Idaho's quarterback is like mini Brett Favre, and I love watching that dude play. Like he's he just made shit up. There was like a play where he was like. One of the cat guys is like ripping him to the ground, and so he puts the ball in his left hand, his right hand, he like throws this like <laughs> weird side lateral, and they catch it. Like, and but you know, you know, MSU's defense isn't bad, so they like, but like, he's he's fun to watch because he's just this crazy little dude, and he runs all over the You're place. You're Idaho's QB, Patrino, or yeah, Idaho's the QB. coach's son. He threw the coach's for like son. 90 yards. No, 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 Anderson I, threw for 90 yards. No, but yeah, yeah, but it was like. Idaho's QB is fun to watch. And I think the announcers actually compare him to Brett Favre because he just he does stuff that doesn't make sense and more often than not it worked. So it was fun. Interesting. Kind of gamer. Um, let's talk about that game just a little bit more because Troy Anderson came back and started at quarterback. 
Hey, why not? Hundred and something yards rushing. Sounds like Rovig was in a boot. Yeah, who knows? When the Montana Mint guys um, said that Anderson was out, and they tweeted it out, which is one of many reasons why <laughs> we're not media and we'll never do stupid shit like that, and they shouldn't have either. Um, I also discovered that the Montana Mint uh, Twitter account is blocked by Coach Choke. So <laughs> he he knows a troll when he says yeah, that. He knows a troll. <laughs> Good luck for you, Nate. Um, I'm blocked by Gregorak. Yeah, I can see that. What? Well, I don't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're Mr. Grizzly Twitter. That's true. <clears throat> it's not that he's blocked because you might say something offensive. It goes back to Luke's analogy about ex girlfriends. He just knows that if he doesn't block you, he's going to be checking on your Grizz updates. Yeah, there you go. That's why. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's clearly what it is. Um, so Anderson, it's like, this is just one of these things where it's like, he threw for 91 yards and ran for like a hundred something. Had an awesome touchdown run in there. But it's like, once again, you know, they eke out a win against a shitty team. And it's like, I feel like this Troy Anderson thing is just setting, setting them up to be this middle of the pack team. When if they could just get a decent quarterback, it probably would be better. But it's like he does just enough to make them think this is going to work. For what reason can teams scheme against Dalton Sneed's ability to run, but not against Anderson's ability to run? I think that part of it comes down to you have to be a good defense. So it's like, to, to Bryn's point earlier in the, yeah. the pod, that it's like we also probably played two of the better defenses we're going to play. So it's like if you're not a good defense, Sneed's still a hell of an athlete and can take advantage. I mean, it's like, you know, you're not going to hold them down. So, like, Idaho's not a good defense. They held him to 91 yards rushing, but his... Or 91 yards passing, but his rushing came today. A better defense? I don't know. Well, Anderson and Sneed, as ball-carrying athletes, are two totally different people, though, too. Anderson's... I mean, he's he's bigger. And it's... I mean, there was a couple of those runs in Idaho where he just runs into a pack. And he just puts his head down. It's like he... He just bowls into people, and people, they can't pull him to the ground. Springs out, and he's gone. I mean, he's got amazing speed. I don't know, like, just his physical nature of the way he runs the ball. It's it's funny, because it doesn't look like a natural fluid run. He kind of looks like he's, like, loping, you know, like, he's, <laughs> it's a weird running motion when he's running with the ball. But then when he gets out in space, like, all of a sudden he's gone and hopping over the guy at the goal line. and I mean... But it's like, that's just the thing. He gets out in space and he's got a giant touchdown run, which is the bulk of his yards, and it looks awesome. But it's just like, you complete one bomb and then you're a shitty passer. You know, it's like, you, you need to be able to use your weapons. Is he Tim Tebow? Ooh. In a way. Yeah, yeah, that's a decent comparison, actually. He's probably better runner, worse passer, but in a way. Hmm. Interesting. Um, anyway, so we both got that wrong. I think that the last couple of weeks we've had a little bit of wishful thinking in our picks because we we should not have picked Montana this week. Like, <laughs> we shouldn't have. Anyway, so next up, Northern Colorado at Portland State. You picked Northern Colorado. I picked Portland State. Portland State won, right? They kicked ass. Yeah. They kicked ass. So um, I have one correct pick. Luke still has none. <laughs> next up, Eastern Washington. At Weber State, we both picked Eastern Washington. If we had known that Gabrud wasn't going to play, maybe it would have been different. Gabrud didn't play. Weber held Eastern to six points. That's incredible. Um, I think the biggest positive for Grizz fans out of that game is that the backup quarterback that we talked about last week that 
was one that the Grizz recruited too, who looked great last week, came crashing to earth <laughs> this week. So maybe there's hope that post-Gabrood, they're taking a nosedive. I'm not going to count on it, but maybe. Weber's got a good defense. Yeah, Weber does have a good defense. And Weber only scored 14. Okay. Like, if I was Gresh Jensen and I was looking at the Big Sky Conference, I would fucking go to Weber. Not, not MSU? Uh, no, not MSU <laughs> for lots of reasons. But seriously, like, Jay Hill's built great defensive. It looks like they graduated a bunch of guys on defense and still are doing well. They just need a quarterback. I'd go to Weber. Yeah. I think Gresh Jensen's going to end up at the FBS level, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> so we both got that one wrong. Next game, Idaho State, UC Davis, by far the most entertaining game of the week. Yes. Uh, Idaho State should have had this game. They were up. They had a lead. They came back. UC Davis tied it up. Did, did Idaho State miss a field goal at the end of regulation? I think they might have. Don't hold me to that. Goes into OT, and UC Davis wins in overtime. You picked Idaho State. I picked UC Davis. Ugh. Um, next up, Sacramento State at Southern Utah. You know, Sac State, who was looking up, trending up, da-da-da-da-da. Nate, on, hot take Nate on the other podcast has been saying, nope, they just had an easy schedule last year. He might be right. <laughs> Southern Utah beat them. Southern Utah didn't have a win yet, and then they put up 48 stinking points. And that was at Southern Utah, which is in, like, makes, in my mind, it's like, that's not going to be an easy game for <laughs> Looking ahead. So, look, I hate to break it to you, but I only got two right this week. Went two and four. You, my friend, have, just like Bobby Houck, had a historic <laughs> moment in a bad way. Say whatever you want here, Mike. I, I'm going to cut it out. 0-6, <laughs> oh, Luke. 0-6. Oh, if you cut it out, I'm going to tweet it to everybody. 0-6, um, 37-21 on the year for you. 2-4 and four for me, 43-15. and 15. Uh, Let's just pretend this week never happened. Lord. Um, so since it's, since it's uh, a bye week, we don't have a Grizz game to talk about. We'll save UC Davis for next week because we want to know how they do this week. And, yep. Um, but I think now's a perfect time for us to talk a little bit more about the Big Sky. Sounds good to me. And Absolutely. for that, we're going to turn to the guy who actually does his research, Brent, yeah. to lead that. I got all my notes. <laughs> so, we obviously, uh, we talk a lot about playoffs, who's in, who's on the bubble, who's left in the conference. Basically, of the teams that have three or less losses you've got davis eastern isu nau msu weber and us one might be able to argue portland state uh, they've got four losses they could i mean if they went on a winning streak is seven of four but eh, tough to say i think Do they have one no nah, they beat two? college of idaho that was one of their wins they'll they'd only finish with six so, so probably the only way they could get in is somehow they worked into Some. a Automatic bid. Some would. Yeah, probably not. I mean, they're, they only have two conference losses. But So who can we eliminate from that pool, you think? Definitely Portland State. Oh, yeah. So beyond those other teams, I mean, Portland State, Southern Utah, Idaho, uh, Northern Colorado, obviously North Dakota can't. Um, uh, they're, they're all out of the picture here. Um, uh, uh, Cal Poly is out of the picture. Sac State. 
is out of the picture as well, too. Montana is out of the picture as well. Well, we're, yeah, we're hanging in there, but, um, I for mean... For the auto bid, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... Oh, for the auto bid, yeah. yeah. We're, we're the only team with two losses, so, of course, right now we've got Davis is 3-0. and They're 5-1 and on the season. They have a tough schedule, though. So, I looked at, like, of these teams left, who... Uh, so, this is the top seven teams left in the conference, if you will. Who plays the most in that top seven? And it's Davis plays three, Montana State plays three, and Weber plays three. The easiest path is probably Northern Arizona or Eastern Washington. I was going to say the biggest benefactor of Weber upsetting Eastern is NAU. Yeah. Because going into the season, we were saying NAU's got the simplest schedule to get there. Then they get that conference loss because Cookus is out. Yep. And it's like, well, it's not going to happen. But then it's now wide open again. So it, it's completely crazy, but you could have NAU finish at eight and three, and Davis and Eastern finish at nine and two, and NAU could win the conference. The conference. <laughs> so it, it's uh, more big sky hilarious. So one but. thing that's interesting, and, and I fucking hate the conference having a hundred million teams, and I want to talk about that a little bit. There's so many weird tiebreakers because not everybody plays each other. But I think that one of the tiebreakers is if two teams finish tied for the conference title and they didn't play each other in conference, but they played each other out of conference, that that is the first tiebreaker. You could be right. And if that's the case, Eastern would still get it. Eastern would win, yep. Um, but still, it's like NAU wins out their eight wins. It's like you start looking at how many opportunities there are for playoff teams from this conference. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if Eastern gets covered back soon, they've got UNC, Idaho, Davis. I mean, uh, I think Polly. They've got Davis at home, right? Yeah, Davis in Cheney, Cheney. Like, and I think near the end of the season, Eastern's in theory got the easiest run. Idaho State's got a. They go to Liberty this weekend. Like, it's like there's this weird oddball drop in the middle of their season, but you know, uh, th- this one could argue the Grizz schedule out. You know, there are two tough teams left, being Davis and the Cats at home. Granted, Portland State two weeks ago, and it doesn't suggest that means much. But a lot of these other teams, their tough games are are road games. Cats have to go to Weber, ISU, and Montana, all on the road. Uh, So it's like... um, uh, they they host Polly and UNC and Bozeman. They should win both. Yeah, of those you can't games. underestimate how big of a win that was for the Cats. Like they had to win that game at home if they have any hopes. Yep. Yep. Of because they've got a tough schedule and it's not all in Bozeman. Yep. The funny thing is, like you talked earlier in the pod about how most kind of level-headed Grizz fans were like, "This is a six and five, seven and four team," but two of the four losses people were thinking were Southern Utah potentially and Idaho potentially because they were both supposed to be. Good. Yeah, Southern Utah's the the <laughs> cha- they won the Big Sky last year, and yeah. Idaho coming down was Luke's Bitcoin for half the damn season. <laughs> so we could still end up where we thought we would, just with a different a route. different route. Yeah, and you know, there's some historical even in Stitt's first year, like there's some historical precedents of the 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 Grizz being against the wall and winning out to do it. We really? we were four and four. In 2015, and we won the last three games. Idaho State, which was a miracle, and then Brady Gustafson comes back, and we put it to Eastern, and we we put it to the Cats, and we're on a three-game streak, and we're in the playoffs. I'll remember that Idaho State game because Brent and I went to a fundraiser, <laughs> and it was like, you know, the, the game wasn't over 
but the fundraiser started. So it's like I'm driving to the fundraiser, listening to the game on the radio. So we fumbled or something. I'm sitting in the parking lot at the Doubletree, and it's like, fuck it. And I turn off the car, and I go inside, and I meet my parents in there. And, you know, I don't know. And then Brent comes in a little while later, and I can't remember... Had they won yet when you were inside? No. So no. I, because I was waiting, 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 and then there was the turnover, and Idaho State got onto the Grizz side, and I was saying to my wife, let's go. This is it. This is over. So we pull in to Doubletree where the thing was, and we got there, and we'd missed it. Mm-hmm. And you, like, come running out of the bar. <laughs> like this crazy, like, they snapped it over the guy's head, and somehow we lateral it backwards, and run it back for a touchdown or some ridiculous anyway so there's precedence here there we, we could uh, you know pull rabbit out of a hat and make this happen i'm just looking for positives <laughs> every game from here on out is a playoff game for us yeah 100%. absolutely so yeah. we did kind of make the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> oh. boy there's some spin <laughs> sorry Lord. um so Big Sky. We, we've eliminated some teams. Realistically, it's a Davis, Eastern, Idaho State, um, NAU, Weber. Weber. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. I mean, the, these teams, you're either going to have a lot of parity, and you're going to have a whole bunch of 7-4, and 8-3 teams, or you're going to have someone like an Eastern or a Davis, I could see, or an NAU by virtue of a real light schedule, uh, go down the road and uh, win out. Now, the interesting thing is North Dakota kind of plays this weird spoiler role in it, and they don't play a lot of these teams, but they do play NAU, and they play Weber. And so, I mean... If that North Dakota team that played the Grizz Saturday goes to these guys, that's that's is the tough North game. Dakota NAU game in Northern Arizona or in North Dakota? Do you know, it is in Northern Arizona. Okay. Weber has to go to North Dakota. Um, the interesting thing, the wild card on NAU is Cookus still isn't back. Yeah, which makes you wonder if they aren't redshirting him this year. Like, is he hurt again? I don't know. Tough to say. Um, I want hit them to redshirt him and him to senior grad transfer to UM. <laughs> so, Case, if you're listening, I'll welcome you with open arms. You know, I know that we locked eyes when you were profanely flipping off the crowd, leaving the field last year at Washington Grizz. But I'll welcome you. You guys are going to have some couple therapy. Couples you know, therapy. it's ironic. You know, my seats are right there in the north end zone. The last time Vernon, Vernon Adams played at Washington Grizz Stadium, you know, they beat us. And um, they're running out, and I was like, hey, Vernon! And, like, a coach and him turn around, and it's like you can tell they're, like, some asshole fan is going to taunt. And I was like, transfer! Go anywhere! Just go! And he got this huge smile on his face. It's like, that's the ultimate compliment I think you can get from the opposing fan. Like, yeah, just go. Like, we're we're overplaying. <laughs> see some interesting things there. You know, the visiting teams have to run by. That they do. <laughs> well, so, I mean, th- this down the stretch is going to get fascinating because what you're going to start to have now is, is just this, this parity factor. I mean, NAU and Montana are one loss away from being out of the picture mm-hmm. when you talk playoffs. Uh, <clears throat> Weber, MSU, Idaho State, 
are probably two losses mm-hmm. out. I think Eastern and Davis are going to have a little bit more leeway. Uh, but, but yeah, th- this is going to get fascinating. And so what you're going to start to see now, and I think that's where we're headed into, is talking about this next week. But uh, it, it is, of course, then that sting of that Portland State loss because – that's our that's a and, bubble. And, and I hate to bring this damn game back up, but you look at you beat Portland State, and even though we go on the road and we get the shit kicked out of us, we're a one loss team. Uh-huh. And in two weeks, we're hosting. Presu- I'm gonna guess Davis is gonna beat Pauly. I think that's who they play. Um, it, we'd even it up with Davis, and then we, we'd be right there, tied for first. And Davis still has to play Eastern. And Davis has the win over ISU, so there's those two. There's the tiebreakers. So it's just like, but ah. you know, they're setting it up perfectly to like Luke's comment last week of like, why can't we be the upset? Like, why can't we upset a team? It's like, yeah. if Davis beats Polly, Polly, and they're coming in at six and one in conference, or what were they? Yes, they'd be six and one overall, four and zero oh in conference. Four and zero oh in conference. I mean, it's like that's our opportunity. There Hopefully, is. it's cold as shit here. Like you <laughs> never know. What's going to happen? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, Wild hey, guys, cold. let's ruin their season like everybody else has ruined ours. <laughs> you know, and at least give Mike something to cheer about. Really, the one game this week that might have playoff implications is this Montana State going to Weber game. Yep, 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 yep. I think, I mean, Montana State, what, what's Montana State, 2-1 and one in conference? Yes. They're 2-1 and one in conference and 4-2 and and overall. overall. As is Weber. As is Weber. I, I Montana State, I mean, they've played a tougher schedule than us. They've beat teams that we've lost to. They lose to Weber, and they're in the same boat that we are. Yeah, because they would have to win out to make the playoffs. Because Weber's ranked, so <clears throat> even if they, and they're, they're what, like 10, 11 right now. So mm-hmm. even if they take a loss, I mean, that's going to catapult MSU into the top 25, and Weber will stay in. Yeah. Opposite way, that's MSU, that you're not going to be the. Others receiving votes, you're you're gonna be just you're like gone. you're gonna be like us, and it's it's <laughs> like they've been talking about. It. It's like this is their opportunity. If they can go to Weber and win, oh yeah, the Cats have set themselves up for a good end of the season. If the over or if the total combined points on this game was twenty, <laughs> do you take the over or the under? <laughs> it's gonna be like fourteen to ten. It's gonna be three zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like a classic SEC football game. Like I, it's gonna be six to three. I, I think I would take the over. I think that would Troy you, Anderson University will score a few more points. Oh, Troy Anderson University! This is sticking. I'm good with that. I mean, everything else about Bonzi is ridiculous, but TAU is great. I mean, like you know, sun shines on a pig's ass every day. Looking ahead even further, like the game that I'm kind of looking forward to is. I think the Montana State at Idaho State game could be kind of fun to watch. Oh yeah, because it's like those are it's like those are contrasting styles. It's like MSU's kind of got a tougher defense, and and Idaho State has the offense. It's like you know what's frustrating about Idaho State. I love watching Idaho State. What's frustrating about them is those are Grizz guys. Like yeah. where the fuck was this offense when Fantasy was here? <laughs> 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 you know, like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's Daniel Ryan, their strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> You're right. You know, good, Miller Hall first floor. Good for fantasy, good for Ferreter, good for them. <laughs> um, but you look forward, it's like, you know, we talk about Montana State a little bit more because I know that our, some of our fans, I guess, probably a team that piques interest a little bit more than some of the others. And it's like, if Montana State goes to Weber State, and I think we're probably picking Weber to win that, at least I probably am. But I mean, 
Then they've got to go to Idaho State the next week. I mean, their season could be over. Yeah. I mean, ours could be too. Like, they're going to be I like, mean, oh, the Grizz could be too. It's like, we're well aware the Grizz season could be that's, over. That's like two Saturdays from now, you could be, both of us could be playing could for be the brawl. Playing for the brawl and that's it. Yep. Um, but if you flip that script, if they win those two games, Ooh. those are big wins. Huge. So it's like, this is like, this is the Chode era. It's like, has he figured it out or not? If they go to the playoffs with this team, they're going to put a bronze of Troy Anderson out in front of the stadium. I actually think the best thing that could happen to us as Grizz fans is if they go to the playoffs with Troy Anderson at quarterback, because then they're going to play him for two more years. <laughs> hey, Troy Anderson, we'll play you at linebacker. You have a red shirt year. Transfer. <laughs> <laughs> See, clearly the Big Sky players listen to the podcast. That's true. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so next year... Case Cookus is our quarterback. Yep. Troy Anderson. Redshirting. Oh, yeah, they got him redshirt. So in two years, Case comes in. He's No, Case grad transfer. Troy has to redshirt. And then... We'll get a medical redshirt somewhere in there for Case, and it'll all be great. He'll get two years. (laughs) Perfect. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, Luke. We have it all planned out. Yeah. Don't don't doubt my theories. Yeah, yeah. The quarterback club wisdom is sleeping out of you right now. If I brought this up at quarterback club, they would throw me out. <laughs> um, what else kind of storylines? Big Sky. I, I I could talk about the playoffs for a minute on a different level. but I think that's the most of it. I mean, playoffs on a different level would be kind of fascinating because I, unless if Eastern gets gubbered back, do you see a big contender in this, this group? Or is this another... No, if Eastern doesn't have Gabru back, I don't. Because Weber doesn't have enough offense to compete. This feels like another year where we'll send four and three will lose in the first round. See, that's what I was going to say. It's like we're on territory. It's like, and and things will work out and we'll probably get four. But it's like we have 13 teams. And if you do the math, it's like we probably should be sending five. Yeah. Every season. But they don't factor in how big the conference is. And this is what I hate about the conference. So then it's like... You 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 have these built in like these parody guys who get the easy schedule, get one of the spots. It's like Jesus. So from that standpoint, I hate it. I wish that we played everybody, and then we could cut people out. From the standpoint of like kind of entertaining, I think it makes the end of the year a little bit more entertaining because you've got all these like teams that are like one loss conference teams because we don't play everybody. Would you prefer to add a team and go two divisions? I would do that if each division got an automatic berth. Like if the, the committees recognized them as two, which I frankly think they should because I feel like the whole reality of FCS football in the West isn't recognized by the FCS playoff committee like it should be. Like the scheduling is way harder. Like you're more likely to have to play down. And if you're on the East, it's like, you don't have to play down. You can go play Townsend, who counts. You know what I mean? But like those teams don't exist for us. I'm sorry, Mike. The Pioneer League needs their auto bid. <laughs> the MEAC, they're coming in. I don't think either of them... What's, what's, there's another one out there that they've like won no playoff games. Oh, no, the Pioneer got their first win. Against NAU last year. Two, well, they've, they've two beat years, two San years Diego's San Diego. Beat NAU and Cal Poly oh, back to back years. The Pioneers got more playoff wins than. Uh, my, my dream is to see two conferences <laughs> with a playoff. And we are in a separate conference from MSU. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so we, we make some sort of blood pact with our you know, rival that we always play them non conference. 
So that way we have a chance for two Brawl of the Wild games every year. So before some ridiculous listener of the pod points it out, I don't think that championship games are allowed at our level. They're not. So you're going to have to go change NCAA uh, rules, which I believe in you. So go do they're it. Just, these are rules. They're <laughs> arbitrarily set. We can make them. We can change them, right? So, Mike, you're going to get Cookus and Gubrud here. Yeah. Not Gubrud, but Anderson, Anderson. here. Yep. Luke, you're going to get a championship game in the FCS. Add a team. Perfect. Split the conference. Perfect. Who do you add? <sighs> you know, a rumor out there, and I hate to even bring these up, but it's like, Supposedly, CSU Pueblo has been telling people, telling their conference mates at the lower level that they've got an upcoming conference change coming. Where would they be going? Where the fuck did you hear this? I'm trying Dude, to remember where. Ears on the ground at CSU Pueblo? <laughs> like sources in CSU No, seriously. I, I wish I could remember because I'd give them credit. I, it's probably Colter Nuanez. I mean, I don't know who the hell else I would have heard that from. Yeah. But, uh... Um, <laughs> I swear to God that if the Big Sky Conference adds another fucking directional school from Colorado, <laughs> the fans should quit. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? I mean... I, Only land grants in this conference. <laughs> but think about it. Like, if we flipped it backwards and you get the seven teams on each side, and maybe to make this work, you have to get eight, but it's like, if we can do the seven, so it's like you play everybody and then you've got to play one or two people from the other conference that count as conference games, and that's a little bit around Robin, but at least you pay everybody in yours, so you can guarantee that the winner of your division gets an auto bid. Yeah. Yep. And then between these, you know, 14 teams or whatever, you're going to get at least four, maybe five every year. Because what you'd probably do is you'd get the auto bid and you'd get the, the runner-up, most likely. Yep. And then you could you conceivably see that conference picking one of the remainder. Yeah. And I think that that would better illustrate to the committee the realities of the football in the West. Um, the thing that I think is the most unfortunate is when Eastern got left out last year, their AD uh, at the time, Chavez or Shaves or whatever, was pissed on Twitter and was was calling it out. And the Big Sky finally, finally started saying it too. And then he left to be the new AD at <laughs> North Dakota, right? North Dakota. North yeah. Dakota. Um, so... I just, I was glad to finally see somebody standing up for it because it's like, yeah, the big sky created this mess for themselves, but it doesn't change the reality that it's like, you know, we're here that almost two full conferences. And if you think about it, it's like our caliber of football is better than some of the conferences that they're pulling two teams from right now. Anyway, that's my rant. Cool. Yeah, it is what it is. I don't have anything else great on the big sky. Um, any other any other interesting things, Brent? No, I'm good. That's what I got. Let's uh, run through the games for this week real quick um, to see if we can redeem ourselves. Southern Utah plays at Idaho. I'm going to take Idaho. All right. You would. Brent, what do you think? Um, I mean, I like Idaho. I, I, you know what? The QB is fun. That uh, running back there has got some good swagger. They're fun to watch. Mike? I'm going to take Southern Utah. I think maybe they put their shit together. Sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Idaho State steps out of the conference. They go to Liberty. FBS Liberty. Yep. What's Liberty's record? I don't know. Um, Well, Donald Trump is president, so Liberty probably is undefeated whether they are or not. Because, you know, (laughs) you just say it out loud. Yahoo Sports says they are first in independence of FBS. 
But wouldn't Notre Dame be first of independence? Are that's kind of weird. I don't know what the hell that means. Does Notre does that's weird, huh? Um, they're not first. They're three and three. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. They're three and three. I'm going to take Idaho State. Really? That would be a good win for Idaho State. Yeah. I think that we see FCS teams beat FBS teams all the time. Except for us. But, yeah. Yeah. And Idaho State is not us. Chalk them down for a win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Liberty. So I'm giving you a chance to crawl back in this. Yeah. Take the shot, man. (laughs) Um, Northern Arizona at Northern Colorado. I'm going to take NAU. Brent, what do you think? I'll bet Northern Colorado makes it a game. Uh, Northern Colorado kind of looks like shit, and um, they're probably on the brink of a coaching change. But uh, Bob Stitt University. Bob Stitt. Uh, but, you know, this is – maybe it's a little early for NAU to hit the road and have these inexplicable dive games when they're not in their dome. But I don't know. I could see it. I – I so want to pick Northern Colorado because it would just be typical NAU. Oh yeah, this is to, this has Jerome Sowers <laughs> all over it. But Northern Colorado just lost to Portland State last week, which we, need we to, did do. We need to build that resume. So, so. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm picking NAU, but this is the one where I'm going to hedge it and tell you guys: if Northern Colorado wins this, I'm not going to be completely surprised because what we're going to be talking about next week is. Well, here comes Jerome Sauer's end of the season slide. <laughs> right on cue. Montana State at Weber State. I'm going to go with Weber State. It's at home for Weber. I'm going to go with Weber State as well. Um, and what I'll say to any Cat fans who might be listening, and I don't know why you would be, um, if Montana State can win this game, I will start picking Montana State because I think that that will prove that they are who their fans say they are. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Brent? Yeah, I, I mean, conventional wisdom would suggest Weaver. Uh, I don't know. Montana State's having an interesting start to the year. I mean, it seems like the weird stuff goes their way. It would. It feels like Weaver should win, though. Davis at Cal Poly. Davis. Davis. Yeah. It's funny. Watch Davis like struggle with the option. <laughs> <laughs> Although the, I think Davis is probably on Cal Poly's rival list. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so they probably play like every the, year. It's called like the Horseshoe Trophy or something, or it, it, there, there's a name for the game. Uh, yeah. So I bet, um, I bet that Davis is a little bit more used to defending that triple option than uh, we are. Than we are. Yeah. Um, North Dakota. Did that be right? But what I'm looking at says North Dakota State at Sacramento, but I'm sure it's North Dakota. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking North Dakota. Um, hmm. At Sac State. At Sac State. I'm taking North Dakota as well. I mean, if you use the barometer of um, which team looked better against us, <laughs> it shouldn't even be close. And it's a homecoming for North Dakota's quarterback, Ketteringham. Oh, yeah. That would be a big win for A little for extra him. to play for. Yep, because he transferred out and they brought in Kevin, Kevin Thompson or Kelvin Thompson, whatever his name is. So, so Brent, you're going Sac State? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's just giving you some interesting tidbits of information. <laughs> he's my random trivia. He's there. full of some tidbits tonight. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Yes. Uh, Mike, do you have anything else random or interesting or otherwise? No, I mean, we'll see how I feel next week about Cam Humphreys being the starting quarterback. But... Uh, uh, right now, I'm on the Cam Humphrey should get a chance bandwagon. So, 
We'll see. Yeah. You know what's nice is next week we don't have to be pissed about a Grizz loss. We're going to kick the shit out of this bye week. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> see, my concern is we're not going to score any points against the bye week, and the offense is still struggling. <sighs> Dalton Sneed's going to have zero rushing yards. Zero rushing yards. Is... Will that hurt his average? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we sign off, I just wanted to say congrats to our buddy AJ. AJ got engaged to his beautiful fiance Karen. Hey, congratulations, AJ. I am literally learning this news right now. <laughs> awesome. Good for him. Uh, and uh, as far as the Night Watch goes, they got waxed by Billing Sr. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, I was like, that was fun, and we're really happy for you guys, but this is depressing. <laughs> yeah. Coyotes are still undefeated. Yeah, we still haven't talked about that. They're third in the eight-man game to um, Flint Creek Co-op. Is it because they're just all undefeated? Yeah, Flint Creek Co-op is undefeated, and so is Fairview. So Flint Flint, Flint Creek Co-op means that it's a couple different schools combined, right? It means it's Drummond and all those yeah. weird places. Yeah, because you got to get a couple of the towns together to build a team. Montana fo- high school football is so uniquely cool in that regard. Well, Fairview, number two. Do you know where Fairview is? No. Mm-mm. It is as close to North Dakota as you could possibly get. In fact, in North Dakota, there's a East Fairview. <laughs> like, if you cross Interstate Avenue, that's the that's the street that is the border. So you can, like, w- like, there's homes on that side. You just walk across and, like, go to the Double Barrel Saloon and get a beer and just, like, walk home. But you're crossing the state lines. All right. Bye week. Any big plans for the weekend? Nothing over here. Halloween decorations. Getting them out. I was going to say, my wife's like <laughs> on her list is we're going to clean the house this week and get the Halloween decorations out. The There's the college championships for uh, downhill mountain biking. Oh, no going kidding. Going on here at Marshall Mountain. At Marshall Mountain, I was going to guess. Yeah. Oh, that's so kind of cool. I'm going to probably go check that out. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say on the general gripe list that uh, uh, Freeform on television, which used to be ABC Family... Their 13 Nights of Halloween has been shit this year. So, <laughs> um, if somebody knows of a good Halloween channel for me to watch, tweet at us. At GrizzFanPod. At GrizzFanPod. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Luke, anything else from you? No, I think that's it. Brent, anything else from you? Good over here. All right. If, well, if we know you, we'll talk to you soon. If not, we'll see you next week. All right, go Grizz. Fight on. Fight on.